0: can't believe the state of that. Best science fiction list that I sent you. 17 best science fiction shows of all time. No. Seems like it should have probably been called the best science fiction, horror and fantasy shows that I've watched in the last two years.
1: Quite often, people get confused between fantasy, science fiction and horror.
0: What do you consider the main difference between science fiction and fantasy and horror? I know it probably sounds quite straightforward, but perhaps it's not according to a lot of these lists I read, and I'm hesitant to rate these type of shows. My opinion's subjective to anyone else's, and whilst you and I have a fairly similar liking of the same type of science fiction, a lot of people might not. be betide the man who tries to rate things on the internet, but there is a big difference in some of these lists that i've seen so what would you say are the main differences between science fiction fantasy
1: and horror science fiction for me is anything that is possible in the future any concepts any speculative events like nuclear war and the fallout after that it has to have an anchor in reality for it to be science fiction whether that's in the far future in space or in the near future
0: Same for me, and I think it has to definitely have some sort of grounding in science, theoretical, at least some sort of science that's possible.
1: Yeah, for fantasy, that's a little bit more obvious. It's things that can't exist or won't exist, like dragons, magic systems, Game of Thrones being the best example.
0: In that particular case, things like zombies in Game of Thrones are blatantly magic-related necromancer, raising them up, controlling them. It's not based on any kind of science, unlike some other type of shows. What I would consider to be more horror instead of science fiction, but a lot of zombie fiction is classed as science fiction these days, but to me it's horror, fantasy. There's no real scientific basis for it, and I know there's always arguments that there is. I just think it goes well beyond the realm of science fiction.
1: I'm sure it does. You cannot use the hand an excuse of, oh, it's a disease, or we're all infected with it, or injecting someone like the famous zombie virus. Because once your jaw muscle has deteriorated, how do you have a bite as powerful as a cheetah? For example, in The Walking Dead, you have the zombies that bite people's faces off and rip them limb from limb. They've got a degraded body. How is that even possible?
0: Well, it's massively inconsistent as well, the way that they treat the zombies. You know, one week, a water cannon will blast them apart. They're slow shambling, they can't do anything. You stick your thumb through the head, they fall to bits. And then the next week they're tearing living human flesh apart with ease, like butter. Now I know they'll argue that some of those corpses are of varying different rates of degradation, but in that particular case, in that show, the apocalypse has been going for several years now.
1: Yeah, that's the huge problem, isn't it? They've lost their motor skills because they're effectively brain dead. Your brain can't come back once it's dead. And on top of that, how do they even see? It's just so implausible and so unrealistic. That's what makes me think it's fantasy. Uh, Pinning down horror is a little bit harder than pinning down science fiction and fantasy. Alien is science fiction, but it has a strong horror element to it. Game of Thrones has a strong horror element to it when we see some of the fights when that guy got his head popped like a melon. But then you go to thrillers like Seven, that has some big horror elements it's a bit harder to pin down a generic horror genre.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. Science fiction and fantasy thrillers all have a sub-genre of horror, really. I don't know if there really is a standalone horror genre. I know that it gets placed that way by, you know, movies and books. I'm not sure there really is. I think they sort of have to be a branch of something else, really, don't they?
1: Yeah, like Stephen King's It is Supernatural Fantasy Nightmare on Elm Street with uh, Freddy Krueger inside your dreams. That's all fantasy horror, isn't it?
0: Yeah, pretty much. While we're talking about The Walking Dead, before we get on to discussing some of our list, I know who my favourite antagonist of the show is. I'm going to take a guess that yours might be, perhaps, the Governor or Negan, knowing your personality.
1: Negan is actually a good guy. He's what? (laughs) Negan's a good guy. He's been forced into what he's been doing. The biggest bad guy on the show is rick grimes richard grimes serial killer in an apocalyptic world
0: you're gonna to have to explain that because i know that the fans of the show and many of our colleague uh, authors who love the show are going to dispute this fact with us if they listen to the episode i actually agree with you my favorite antagonist was also richard grimes and the grimes gang why do you think that he's the biggest antagonist of the walking dead
1: Him and his band of cronies have gone from place to place just destroying them. He's like the opposite of the Midas touch. Everything Grimes touches turns to shit. And if you're a woman, you don't want to be anywhere near him. I mean, his wife's died. He killed a whole family in Alexandria. I mean, he killed the husband in front of the wife and the kid. And then he got the wife and kid killed when he was trying to escape. God knows what's going to happen to Michonne. I suspect she'll be bumped off soon. He antagonised Negan's crew. He went to that satellite station. All those people were stabbed in their sleep before they'd even met the Grimes gang.
0: It's demented, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it's demented. If you're Negan, you and Egan, you have to smash all of their heads in instead of Abraham and just Glenn's. But he went lightly on them. What does Grimes do?
0: He actually only would have killed uh, Abraham as well. Glenn broke the rules, you know. He was willing to let them off with one. We'll just quickly recap his list of crimes. First of all, he met Morgan, and uh, soon after Morgan's son died... He then came across his good friend, best friend actually, and partner who had rescued multiple people including his wife and child and had built quite a safe little community. Had even brought together a wide range of people that had no business working together but it was working fine. And then Richard Grimes arrived and soon after most of them died. <laughs> yeah. He does run a bit of
1: a cult. I mean, he's got that weird set of aggressive questions that he asks any strangers. I mean, for fuck's sake, you know, the whole world's fallen to its knees. And he's go, who have you killed? How many pointing his revolver in the face? I mean, give him a break.
0: He did the policing at that hospital, didn't he? He did. Woodbury. Quite a nice little town. I know the governor was a bit extreme, but his daughter died. He was probably suffering from PTSD, and then obviously Richard comes in and
1: The governor was a little bit eccentric. He had the fish tank full of heads and his daughter in a cupboard. But yeah, his his operation was quite sweet. The town was nice looking. And yeah, Grimes come in. I admit that beheading Herschel outside the prison was probably a step too far.
0: Well, I've actually got a theory on that. If you remember back to when we first met Herschel, and this is going back a few years, you go back and you remember that you come to that farm. And this is a bit of a wild theory, but I just want you to stick with me think that that wasn't quite what we imagined. Did you see Herschel's wife around? He was just living on a random farm, and I know there was an apocalypse going, but he didn't even seem that bothered by that. Uh, he, he's living with his daughters, in some sort of weird claims to be a doctor, but I never saw a certificate up on his wall. It just seemed a bit Joseph Fritzl to me.
1: <laughs> Everyone's got dark secrets. We don't know much about any of the backstories.
0: I think he might be their dad and their husband. I'm just putting it out there. That would explain why the governor has found that out. He's gone to the farm because he knew that area. He's found the videotapes and that's why he's killed Herschel. So he is actually innocent, completely innocent.
1: Yeah. So do you think those zombies in his barn were used as sex bots or sex rods?
0: Yeah, he's absolutely demented.
1: In that case, I don't blame the governor. I think his beheading was probably justified. You have to have some law and order in there. And he tried to bring it about. It didn't quite work. It led to his death.
0: The best ending for the show is all the remaining survivors get together. They put Richard Grimes on trial for all of his crimes and just assassinate him.
1: I think we can come to a consensus that he's probably one of the most bloodthirsty, prolific killers that we've ever seen on TV.
0: Agreed. As I said, woe betide the man who would try and rate television shows or science fiction, how about we just, instead of talking about the big ones and trying to rank them, we discuss shows or miniseries or movies or books even that we have both enjoyed that are perhaps less well-known and maybe some of our listeners might take a peek at.
1: Okay, good one to start with here, and I believe we mentioned it during the interview with Murr, is Childhood's End, which is an adaptation of an Arthur C. Clarke novel, yeah?
0: Yeah, I haven't actually read the whole novel. It's very old, isn't it? It was about the 60s or something, I think it came out. But I did enjoy the miniseries.
1: The reason I liked this, and I would go as far as to say that it's just as good as Arrival. In fact, it had things in that I wished Arrival did have. It's all about a ship landing on Earth, apparently peaceful purposes. And it takes humanity through three stages of advancements towards the end. The main character's called Karellen, who's an alien, by Charles Dance. And it's just very good. At the end of the first, you wonder where it's going, and then there's a huge hook, which is both funny and compelling.
0: Yeah, I don't think we can spoil what happened at the end of the first necessarily, but when you do see the reveal of the alien, because we only hear his voice at that point, don't we? Just that scene. Uh, <laughs> just picturing it now cracks me up. Just seeing alien revealed to the awaiting public and how it goes down is a great hook that immediately, once, well, once you see it, you sort of just have to watch the next one, don't you? Yes, you
1: do, yeah. It's only three episodes and it's 246 minutes. And I implore you, if you like science fiction and you haven't seen it, give it a watch and give it a chance. There's so many good things in it. For instance, the character who you see right at the start, Milo Rodericks, he ends up travelling from our planet to where the aliens live. (laughs) And he's vacuum-packed... He's (laughs) vacuum-packed... (laughs) He's <laughs> vacuum packed on their ship next to a squid.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's how they, uh, they deal with the old uh, cryo... You know, they're advanced alien race, obviously, but it's just quite amusing seeing, you know, you expect some sort of cryo chambers, etc., but like, they're just sort of slapped in big uh, plastic bags with the air sucked out. He's like, She's like,
1: perhaps like a TV dinner.
0: <laughs> it's got a good ending as well, quite um, a bittersweet ending, I suppose. Yeah, prophetic. It's not what you would expect from Hollywood. No,
1: it doesn't try and sugarcoat it at all, and it takes you through a full process. The aliens initially bring out about an age of enlightenment, but they're actually doing that for a reason. And there's obviously resistance to this, and somebody tries to assassinate Corellon. It's not through hindsight of what is going to happen, but they're scared for other reasons. Like I said before, it's well worth a watch. Give it a try.
0: Yeah, and as I said, I hadn't read the whole book, always sort of put me off about Arthur C. Clarke's books as he gets quite in-depth with the political groups and the UN and those type of things that always involve with his mm-hmm. characters and that side of things doesn't really interest me but one thing I did like that the miniseries did that was different than the, the book was the main character at the beginning, Ricky. He's a normal chap and I think that grounds it a little bit more than being some obscure diplomat.
1: Yeah big time it makes it more relatable. We see the normal farming guy and we can imagine what he'd be thinking in that scenario.
0: Yeah, I think it was one of the better adaptations. Worth watching. And I've never really heard many people talk about the miniseries. I don't know how well it did, but it didn't seem to be that popular.
1: It's a shame, really, because it is good story. If you like Alien Invasion, it has things in that I wish Arrival had. I know Arrival had that twist at the end, which I thought was more of a case of being written into a corner, and then going back and editing the start, but that's just personal opinion.
0: Yeah. Should we do a couple more? What about Wayward Pines? We both like the book and the series.
1: Yeah. Again, Where Were Pines, it was on Fox over in the UK and US. Very good on TV. I first started liking Pines when I read the book. I saw it charting quite well in Amazon. I was looking after a science fiction book to read when I was on holiday. Grabbed it, read it, loved it. It's about an agent who goes looking for two of his missing colleagues. He gets involved in an accident and then wakes up in this town and everything just seems a little bit off. The beer's flat. doesn't see many people. He can't get in touch with her. I would ruin the twist if I said what it was, but No, fuck it. Basically, he's in the last town on Earth. The person who set it up is David Pilcher. He's very good in the book. Slightly different in the TV, but still decent. He doesn't have some of his best lines or scenes, like when he's in his office with the model of the town and drunk wearing his black silk robe, interrogating people.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he was definitely uh, a bit of character in the books, but he's still good in the show. I only watched the first season. I think there's been a couple. The thing that sort of struck me Again, with adaptations, you know, they can be hit and miss, but we talked about this before. It really did look like how Crouch described the books, which is sometimes not the case, and I think they really nailed the show and the feel.
1: That's a testament to his writing as well, how well he painted the picture. Going back to it, David Pilcher saw a fault in our genetics, and he predicted the fall of humanity, and he built this massive lair in a cave with the cryo chambers. So 2,000 years into the future, we woke up, they built this big town with large electric fences, and outside it's a wasteland full of creatures that have evolved from us called abbeys, and they want to attack us. It's very much worth looking at, because if you imagine yourself in that scenario, it's frightening.
0: Yeah, kind of what we were talking about at the beginning. This is genre-spanning, it's definitely science fiction, but it's also thriller and horror.
1: It jumps timeframes backwards and forwards, so it could be mildly confusing. But it's well worth it, because once you understand exactly where everyone is and what's happened, it's quite satisfying. And I think that happens in episode four. You don't have long to wait.
0: Yeah, and I definitely recommend people actually pick up the books as well, because there is a bit extra depth. It's a bit different, and Pilcher is certainly amusing if you're like a good antagonist. I've got another one I want to talk about. It's actually not out yet. It's currently in production for a TV show for Netflix. It's going to be 10 episodes. So I want to make sure everyone watches this so we can get some more of it. I know you read it. You actually recommended this one to me about a year and a half ago, I suppose it was. I really liked the first book. I haven't read any more in the series, but the first book's called Altered Carbon. Excellent book. It's hard-boiled
1: cyberpunk. And I would say it's one of the best in the genre. i would put it up there with Snow Crash. I'm not a fan of William Gibson's work. I find him overly pretentious. But I like Stevenson, and this book by Richard Morgan is just as good. The concept of you being sleeved. Was it sleeved?
0: Yeah, sleeving. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to explain what that is?
1: In the far future, you can have your mind downloaded onto a little stack that can be inserted into the back of any human being. So basically, you could be transmitted around the universe because we've colonised far and wide.
0: Yeah, that's how they sort of get around uh, intergalactic travel. You download into new bodies, and that's sort of how you travel to other worlds. I haven't read the following books, but I don't think they even have faster-than-light travel, do they? I think they just do it all like this.
1: They call it a needle cast where you're sent from one body to another. He's never actually been on Earth. He lived in, um, what do they call it?
0: Harlan's World. Yeah,
1: he lives in Harlan's World. He comes back to Earth for the first time, and he has to solve the crime.
0: He was like a, some sort of government agent, and then he got imprisoned and taken out of a body.
1: Yeah, and the person who's paying him to solve the crime was the person who was actually murdered. That sounds weird until you think about the concept. He was shot in the head, so they took the... Uh,
0: the stack and just downloaded him into a new body. He's quite rich. Some of the richer people are pretty much immortal, aren't they? Because they're constantly updating their memories to basically like a dropbox. They don't age because they can afford to buy new cloned bodies whenever they want to. So they're essentially completely immortal.
1: The worst things in the book were the sex scenes. Yes. I suspect Morgan hasn't touched a woman in his life (laughs) after reading them. (laughs) But anyway. (laughs) Yeah. What made it extra creepy was the fact that he went with the boss's wife. But she was a hundred years older than him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it makes you think about like what is life and what's your body and a lot of that kind of stuff. It's an interesting hook and an interesting way of looking at time travel, I suppose, to some extent, and you know, faster than light travel and colonization, immortality. Yeah, immortality, and because he can be resleeved, and especially while he's on this mission, he can pretty much take risks that a normal person in these situations wouldn't, because essentially you're immortal a lot of violence and it's got a really interesting twister. I'm assuming the show is going to cover the first book. It's probably the smartest thing for them to do, I'm not sure. I don't know, but my favourite character is the AI hotel.
1: I like the entrance to the strip club where they've got that canical octopus above the door that frisks people before they go in. And obviously, as you mentioned before, because Kovacs can technically get re-sleeved, he just goes in there, organs blazing, no messing him around, he's uber-violent. It is a really compelling book, it's worth a read.
0: Yeah, so we've covered those often. I think we, uh, we took a bit of a shot at The Walking Dead, which is probably going to get us some angry private messages on Facebook later, some of our friends. Yeah. We're not going to rate our favourite top ten or top five sci-fi shows, but should we pick our worst piece of science fiction film ever made? Yeah. Should we count down from three to one and see if we're on the same mindset? Because I've got a feeling we might be. Three, two, one. The host. The host. host. <laughs> <laughs> It's
1: the biggest piece of shit that has ever existed on the screen. What's the most
0: amusing thing about this film is we both 100% felt that way. We both watched it completely independently at different points in our lives. It wasn't a recommendation. It wasn't, hey, you should see this. You know, Darren and I watch a lot of the same stuff. If we see something we like, read something we like, we tell each other. (laughs) But we both watched (laughs) this, And not only did we both independently watch this film, we both watched it in its entirety at some point.
1: I'm trying to figure out how I sat through over two hours of this crap. I reckon I was either stunned at how bad it was or it was a case of it was so bad it was good. You laugh at moments that aren't supposed to be funny because they're so cringy.
0: In theory, I would suggest it's not aimed at us. It is supposedly science fiction, but I think this is sort of crossing the barrier into urban fantasy. Yeah, it just crossed the barrier
1: into <laughs> utter horse shit. <laughs>
0: Stephanie Meyer did the uh, sparkly vampire
1: thing. Yeah, I know that was wildly popular, but I thought that was a load of crap as well.
0: If you haven't seen it, and you, and you fancy it, it was a 2013 romantic science fiction thriller, according to the Wikipedia page.
1: I'm going to throw out a spoiler here, because I don't think anyone will get far enough to see it. <laughs> At the end, these hosts, they're like little sparkly jellyfishy octopus things that can float around, and they go inside your body.
0: Invading aliens.
1: In the end, the way how to beat them we love. Just saying, oh, please come out. I'll be nice to you and everything. And they just come out <laughs> and floated.
0: Yeah, so they've invaded. They need our bodies. They need to take over. They've essentially murdered the entire human race and enslaved our bodies. And they've done this all around their galaxy. But it turns out, yeah, just uh, if you just love them out. <laughs> well, do you
1: remember when the protagonist was first infected with a host?
0: Yeah, this is the best line in the whole film. she starts arguing with her.
1: Get out of my head. Get get off my body. Get get out of my head. This is just so wrong. This is outrageous. Stop it now. This is unfair. (laughs) I don't want
0: to do this. It's so unfair. (laughs) Remember they end up in that massive cavern?
1: Yeah, with the uh, hole in the roof. Yeah.
0: What was that alien called? The Wanderer. Wanderer.
1: They changed the name to Wander once you went into a human body. (laughs) How did they find a human body? I don't remember every intricate detail, but I know that she ended up in one, and she was a good person in the end.
0: They've learned how to beat them, didn't they? They discover... Love.
1: Love, get them out of the body.
0: Yeah, the, even the very
1: end's completely demented. We can't be the only ones who thought this. How did it rate? Shall we have a quick check on
0: uh, Rotten Tomatoes? I know people always say you can't base it on Rotten Tomatoes, but we can only go by what the critics and the audience have to say.
1: It's a yardstick, isn't it?
0: Well, it's just an average rating. It's not an individual person making this. So they've taken every critical review. We'll have a look at the audience. I always go by the audience as well. I like to take that into account. And, you know, obviously Stephanie and my fans are going to like it probably more than, than we would have, even though it's science fiction. We're going to have a look at it. So that was 46%. Less than half of her audience even liked it.
1: That's quite high. Oh
0: yeah, 50-50. But, you know, they did watch six Twilight movies. So Yeah let's bear that in mind. But, uh yeah, the critics... Do you want to hazard a guess what this might be?
1: I don't know. What do the critics say?
0: 8%. 10 people liked it. 10 out of 120.
1: Wow, that's quite high. <laughs>